a welcome back. I have a few announcements to go over. If you're in the Philadelphia area, I'm going to be at the Independence Beer Garden both Tuesday, July 24th and Wednesday, July 25th, uh, somewhere around 7 p.m. Also, August 1st, 6 p.m., I'm going to be up in Toronto with Minds of Madness, the Monarch Tavern. I know it's a school night, but it's the only time I could get up there. Sorry, folks. Always like making recommendations for topics, and Dina and Jeremy from podcast we listened to, Twisted Philly, started educating Jeremy. It's a movie review podcast that covers the classics, and I requested one of my favorite movies, which was Scarface. So if you go out and look for Educating Jeremy and listen to the Scarface review, uh, Dina does an amazing job with her descriptions of the decades, the genres, and everything. It's, It's really hilarious and I appreciated them covering my request. On this week's episode, I've spoken with two separate guests about postpartum disorder. One of the interviews got destroyed by Skype because technology happens, so we had to redo it, which delayed this episode way longer than I wanted it to. This is a topic that obviously I don't know much about, but something that gets brushed upon in the news, message forms, parenting forms, and it's misunderstood. Hannah and I had a discussion about this just offhandedly when I first started the peripheral, so I felt it was appropriate that I come back and ask her to share her story. My name is Hannah. I'm here to talk about my experience with postpartum. So obviously everyone expects you get pregnant and you're going to be so happy and everything's perfect and you you go through the hard part that people say is the hard part um, of actually giving birth and then you get to bring home your baby and everything is beautiful and roses and that's not always the case. We've been very lucky that postpartum depression is getting a little more recognized. Um, People are talking about it more, seeking help, recognizing what to look for. Mm -hmm. But what people don't necessarily realize is that there's so many other things that can happen after childbirth due to your hormones fluctuating and just, you know, this you have a life you're now in charge of that can happen that aren't necessarily depression yeah i think depression is a really bad term or word in this because it's not depression per se that's why i'm trying to kind of avoid that word but it is there's many different disorders postpartum disorders that's it how how, how do we not think of that (laughs) it's a very simple word but you know of course that's what people look for is they look for typical symptoms of depression they look for am i sad am i tired all the time am I you know those are the kinds of things people are looking for Mm -hmm. and it's something beyond the general scope of typical depression symptoms they tend to kind of ignore it and think oh this is they make excuses Mm -hmm. and don't get help because all that's really told is to look for depression symptoms it's not really 
as common for people to warn you to look for symptoms of other things and seek help for it. So I had my first child. Everything was mostly okay. I had a little bit of a rough pregnancy, but nothing. I wasn't like, didn't have any really mood problems. It was just uh, physical difficulties. I had my baby and things were mostly fine at the beginning. And, you know, I had my, my ups and downs, but they were more normal things. Like, is he eating enough? And what, like, where do I, what position do I put him in bed? And those kind of things that you worry about. And then I'm not even really sure when it started, to be honest with you. But at some point, it kind of shifted from normal concern to not normal concern. So it was probably when he was about four months or so. When it was about summertime is when I really remember it happening. Uh, We would go to the pool and I would be pushing him in his stroller by the pool. And I would get this like image in my head of somehow the stroller getting away from me and it going into the pool with him in it. I would be walking down a hill and it'd be the same thing. I would imagine the stroller somehow getting away from me and rolling down the hill into traffic. And I kind of just brushed it off like, okay, these are kind of weird, but I'm an anxious person anyways. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me being me. And I remember when I really like freaked out a little bit and said, this is not okay. Something is really wrong. Was I was walking with him. I went to, or I was walking to him. I went to pick him up and I had this like mental image flash in my head of me like picking him up and his head falling off of his body, which is obviously insane. Like that's not, there's no time that that's ever going to happen. But that's what like I was having this fear that that was going to happen. And I never really thought to look at the other things that I had been, the images that had been popping in my head before, because to me, I was like, this is, you know, my first kid, I'm going to be nervous. Like (sighs) you hear crazy stories all the time. I said, this isn't okay. And I kind of started looking into things a little bit and realizing that there's all these other disorders, postpartum disorders that people don't really talk about. So people talk about depression and you feel sad or you don't, you know, maybe don't feel a connection with your baby right away and things like that. And I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I didn't feel sad. I didn't feel like I wasn't connected to my baby. I wanted to be with him all the time. It was pretty much the opposite. If anyone tried to take him out of the room, I would near have a panic attack and follow them into the other room. If his dad tried to take him down the street to the post office, I'd stare at the window and then follow them. I couldn't I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle not seeing him. Mm-hmm. Couldn't handle. I'd check him that he was breathing constantly. Just all these little things that once you look back after that one really shocking incident of like, Okay, I'm imagining his head falling off. Something is not right here. Yeah. That you kind of realize, okay, maybe things haven't been right for a while. And people just don't talk about it. So there's there's postpartum depression and then there's also postpartum anxiety. There's postpartum like OCD. Um so the postpartum OCD is kind of pretty much what I had where it's connected to the anxiety, but it goes kind of a step further where you're having really invasive um, images in your head or thoughts that you can't control, not quite to the point of postpartum psychosis, where you get into like 
what happens like when people are harming their babies because they get these images of like that's what they have to do because something is wrong and they're trying to save them things like that Mm -hmm. so the ocd one is kind of one step back then that's my understanding i'm obviously not a professional um but i am very anxious as i said and i do sit and google a lot well sometimes when you go through it 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 kind of makes you an expert so. Yeah, you need you want to like learn everything you can. And so then the postpartum OCD is a little bit of a step backwards mm-hmm. where you do have invasive images, but it's not like they're not people who have this are not likely to actually harm their children or harm themselves. They're just more afraid, you know, and that's what happened to me. Like I had come home and kind of had a little bit of a breakdown saying this isn't like I, I can't do this. I can't look at my child and be afraid every second. I'm not like enjoying him mm-hmm. because I'm just constantly thinking of what horrible, insane thing could happen to him, even though it's not actually something that could happen a lot of the time. A lot of times with the postpartum OCD and these thoughts that you have, um, they call it the OCD because you do get kind of obsessive about things because you're trying to constantly busy yourself, uh, ignore those thoughts that you're having in your head. I was just constantly had this like horrible, anxious feeling like it just in my chest. Like every time I would look at him, all I, I would just think of something bad. I wasn't thinking my child is so beautiful and I love him. Obviously I thought that and I did love him, but I would just think of like, if I do this, then this horrible thing is going to happen. Or mm-hmm. I can't walk down the stairs with him because I'm going to trip and fall and squish him. Or I can't do this because this is going to happen. It was really just starting to kind of consume me. And it came on so quickly, kind of. Well, I don't know if it came on quickly, but it seemed like it did because I didn't realize for so long what was happening. And that happens with a lot of people. They don't realize because they just brush off all their thoughts as like, this is normal fear this is I'm a parent I'm supposed to be nervous especially a first-time parent I'm supposed to be nervous around my kid that happens mm-hmm. and like I had said you see kind of horror stories sometimes it freaks you out you hear you know maybe like what I had done I was in an online group with people who are all pregnant at the same time mm-hmm. not everyone who's in that group is going to end up with a kid you know yeah. so or they have their baby and something happens and you see that And it really hits closer to home than anything else because that child was born the same time as mine. That child was the same age as mine. You realize that person didn't necessarily do anything wrong. So how can I, you know, you still want to stop it. And so you start obsessing and getting crazy a little bit. Not crazy. I shouldn't have said that word. It's it's the fact that you're trying to do everything within your power to prevent any sort of harm or any threat. That yeah. would come on to your child. And that's normal to a certain extent, but it's not always. And all we're kind of told, not not necessarily everybody, obviously I've not been to every single OB in the country or the world, but from my experience and what I've heard from people is most of the pamphlets and things that you get when you're pregnant and the things that doctors tell you before you leave the hospital is really just saying if you start feeling sad, if you start feeling depressed, those kind of things. That's when you come for help. So I never went for help for so long because I didn't think, I said, this. they didn't tell me to watch for this. This isn't something that happens. This is just me 
being my anxious self, this isn't anything that could be related to postpartum because it's not depression. Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize there was so many different disorders that you can develop simply just from having a child and everything that comes along with it. You're not in a rut. You're anticipating unrealistic scenarios with your child that you can't get out of your head, right? Exactly. And you can't stop it. It's in your head. You're feeling it. Your your whole body's going through this uh, change. You're you're almost in a fight or flight mode when because you're worried. How do you fight that? You you can't. Yeah. But me, I realized that these thoughts were not anything that could actually happen, anything within the realm of possibility. I realized I am not going to pick up my child and his head is going to pop off 100%. I know that's not going to happen, but I can't stop myself from imagining it and being afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think, a little bit where the line gets drawn and it makes you, kind of shocks you out of this thought that this is just how it's supposed to be. I know that this is not something that's going to happen, but I'm still afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when you're in a swimming pool and you're afraid of sharks, even though you know, you know, there's no sharks in the pool, Yeah, but still, you still get a little freaked out when you're in the deep end. <laughs> that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I chose a good analogy. Then. Yes. Yeah. You realize like this is not going to happen, but I can't stop myself from being afraid. And there's got, there's got to be something I can do. Mm-hmm. Because me just telling myself this isn't going to happen isn't doing isn't cutting it. It's not doing it. It's not making me feel any better. It's not making these thoughts get out of my head. It's not stopping them from happening. And that's when you kind of have to start thinking, okay, what's my next step? So you're understanding that these are irrational fears. Is that the point where you decided I, I should go talk to somebody about this? Not quite yet because... I'm a very stubborn person. Uh, I can fix it myself. I can make myself feel better, work on it, and eventually get to a point where it'd be okay. It'd be kind of like I could ignore it. (laughs) Uh, I had my second child. My kids are less than 18 months apart, I think. So I had two under two, basically, is what they say. After my daughter was born, these thoughts were gone. I'm not entirely sure... If it was because I got pregnant and my hormones changed again or what. But instead of those thoughts came this like crazy rage. And I was just like so angry all the time. It was the same thing where I was like, I don't know why I'm like so maybe I'm just overwhelmed. There's like a lot of noise and there's a baby and a toddler and I had no patience whatsoever. Anything little would happen and I would just yell. Like, I went from zero to 60. It was never, I could feel a buildup of getting frustrated or getting overwhelmed. I was fine one second, and then I was completely not fine the next. And that's when I actually went to the doctor, because that was what scared me a little bit more, because, what you know, you're feeling, like, angry or frustrated, and you can't, like, if I can't stop myself from yelling, who you know, who knows what's going to come next? That's why I got to go talk to somebody, because this is a whole different ballgame in my eyes. Uh Obviously, I should have gotten help before, but I thought I knew better. I thought, (laughs) you know, everyone thinks they have their own way to do things, and it worked out okay for me, thankfully. But if anyone 
experiences that I definitely don't recommend going my way and trying to work through it themselves. It's definitely always best to talk to someone who knows a little bit more they're talking about and talk about your options to fix it or help you. What did they do for you? What did, what should someone uh, expect when they seek out help? It's a little bit more difficult because with mood disorders, there are so many different ways you can combat that. And with postpartum mood disorders, it's a little bit easier than like a general mood disorder because if it's postpartum, it's pretty much guaranteed to be caused by your hormones changing and stuff like that. And it's more temporary. You know, if you if you have had depression your whole life and then you get postpartum depression, that's a little bit different. Um, but if you had never had a history of any sort of mood disorder or something like that, and then you just get the postpartum, it's a little bit more guaranteed that they know what's causing it. Whereas if I'm anxious since I was born, it could be something's funky in my hormones or it could be I had a crazy life and it I don't know how to deal with things. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit harder to figure it out. What I did is I went to my doctor and just kind of told her, I said, this is what happened with my son and this is what's happening right now. I'm feeling just very angry. I'm like raging all the time. I'm I'm yelling a lot and I don't like it. What they do is, or what she did, was she started me on a medication. You take the medication for like a few weeks. Then you go back and talk to them. Yeah, I feel great. Or yeah, I feel a little bit better. No, I feel worse. You just kind of keep checking in, kind of fine tune your dosage based on what you're telling them or change your medication based on what you're telling them. And unfortunately, it's not much easier than that. You do have to kind of play around with it for a while. And it did take a really long time for me where I almost completely just said, never mind, let me just do it myself because it, it can be exhausting. You're All you want to do is, is fix yourself. You're doing the right thing, but you have to put in a whole lot of effort because you do have to go back over and over and over again and keep talking and checking in and making sure you're being honest with yourself and with your doctor with how you are doing. Because if things start sliding downwards and start getting worse, you have to be able to say that because that's, again, where you can start getting way deep down there. And that's how awful things happen. Even if you're able to find somebody to talk to you, somebody that will see you, then you Mm -hmm. have to go through the process and the troubleshooting. And it's not one visit and you're done. It's multiple visits, follow-ups and people rescheduling and things that happen. And it's, it's really hard. I wish it was a simpler process, but there's just only so many, so much time in the day for doctors and and, uh, therapists to talk to people. Yeah. And it could be, you know, maybe you see your doctor and a therapist and someone else. So you, it's not necessarily, you only have to see one person either. Mm -hmm. So you definitely have to be really motivated to, to fix it. Mm -hmm which can be hard when you have a new baby and you have all this stuff going on. So that's, I think, another thing that makes it really hard for people to get the help, especially when it's not something that they've really been ever told, hey, you might need help for this. You might need to go talk to your doctor if you are feeling anxious or you're feeling angry or have no patience right now. You're like, okay, I'm not sleeping. I have a baby. Of course, I'm going to be irritated. That's the thing is you're you're frustrated and 
you're ready to rage quit. That's a term on the internet is when guys like rage quit something because they just don't want to deal with it anymore. And that's, that was worth your time. Uh, would you mind sharing one of the prescriptions or any of the things they tried with you? To be completely honest, I can't, at this point, I can't even remember. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> don't worry I about it. I don't remember what it was, but I went through like a good three or four different medications mm -hmm. before it was like, okay, this is helping me a little bit. All right. Because one thing would make me tired or one thing would make me feel worse or another thing would not doing anything at all. And it's, it's so hard because you never know, you know, what works for your friend could be horrible for you. There's, it's much harder to figure it out. They do say if you have like a sibling that has had something similar it's a good idea to start with whatever works for them because it's more likely that it will work for you. Did these symptoms come on while you're pregnant or shortly after birth? With my son, it wasn't at all when I was pregnant. Um, like I had said, I, I was like in the hospital a lot with him. Mm -hmm. I, I have no idea if that could have been some sort of contributing factor to what happened with me. Uh, with my daughter kind of had it a little bit during pregnancy there's something that they they call nursing aversion when you're breastfeeding and it can kind of happen for many different reasons or have many different triggers I guess but for me as soon as I got pregnant again and my son was still nursing I got what they call nursing aversion where he would like I'm just like I need to feed my kid I would not want to at all I, it made my skin crawl for him to touch me. I just felt frustrated. He would nurse and I would almost feel like crying. Like I wanted to throw him across the room. I did not want him to touch me. So there was definitely a lot of those weird feelings of frustration and being overwhelmed physically and emotionally while I was pregnant with her. So I think that was kind of a lead in than this extra rage that I was having at the time because I had this... And then I felt guilty because, again, I knew I was being silly. I knew this was – there was a reason it was happening. And I didn't want to stop. But – so I felt bad because I was having these, like, this anger at my baby because he was eating. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't stop the feeling of I can't handle – I'm, like, out-touched, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's it's overstimulated, over-touched, over – everything and you want to be left alone then you get that kind of frustration and anger when that happens because even just as a general anxious person i get that sometimes where mm -hmm. there's too much sound or too much something and i'm like just i need a minute please <laughs> I, I think everybody needs a minute every now and then <laughs> i can't even imagine it's, it's hard to get a minute when you got kids so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta find it where you can exactly if someone is feeling any of these things or anything that they think is not right, even if they're not sure, like maybe it is a normal thing, but they're not quite sure or it just doesn't feel right to them to just ask somebody, talk to their doctor, talk to their friend, talk to their sister, talk to a therapist, anyone they're comfortable with, anyone that will listen because maybe it's not and maybe there's a way to help you and you don't have to always feel like this. I think that's my biggest thing is just constantly telling everybody like it's okay to admit 
you're having a hard time or it's okay to admit you're having these feelings. Like you feel mad at your baby. That's it's okay. That doesn't make you a horrible person or a horrible mother. You can't control it. That's something going on in your body. Yeah. It's a, you've gone through a extreme physiological change. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's going to be, uh, side effects from that. And then this is what we're seeing here. And I've, I don't even know why it's not talked about more. And that's why I absolutely wanted to talk to you because, because it's, it's one of those things where people think, well, you're just a bad mom. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, that's not what it's about at all. Yeah. And there is a lot of, um, like mommy shaming that happens too, especially there, like the, I had said, I was in one of those online groups mm -hmm. where it, uh, everyone who's pregnant at the same time, you go in a group based on when you're due. And so you have a ton of people and there's a lot of mommy shaming that happens. So there's a lot that doesn't get talked about or brought up because people are afraid of what other people are going to think of them. They don't want someone to think they're a horrible person or a horrible mother. And so they're afraid to ask, is this normal? They're afraid to admit what they're feeling because that could mean someone's going to tell them you shouldn't have a kid or something. And people are brutal. I can only imagine people are brutal enough online, just in general. <laughs> just a giant group of hormonal, pregnant, angry women fighting with each other. It's fantastic. Sounds like, sounds like paradise. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all awful i, I did know. meet some really good friends well a couple yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple people that were not so great also but yeah. you can find good people on there and find some good advice but for the most part it's a lot of like mean girls drama just ridiculousness that well when it comes to parenting everybody thinks that they're doing it better than everybody else or they should be doing it their way and I, I can only imagine how vicious it gets in those internet groups sometimes. I, I realize that people go there for help. I realize people learn a lot of useful information there. I always thought the internet and the information age was going to bring us closer together because we could see that we're all very similar and we all have very similar problems. But instead, <laughs> the internet age is had a lot of other more negative impacts such as people attacking each other online and, and criticizing and all those good things. So, Yeah. Like you said, everyone thinks they're doing it right. And in my, like in my particular group that I had been in, one of the women lost her baby to SIDS. And in that situation, people completely lose it because they're, you see that happening and SIDS by definition is you, you don't know the cause of death. This is my opinion, I guess. Mm -hmm. People are so afraid that it's going to happen to them that they have to search for some sort of reason. They have to find some way to blame the parents of, you did this wrong, and I'm not going to do that wrong, so it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. And it's just nasty. You should be here like supporting these people who are in this horrible time in their lives and making sure they get out of it, and instead people are throwing stones and trying to say you must have done something wrong for this to happen because they don't want to think that that could happen to them. Yeah. They don't want to get in that space in their mind of there is possibly something that could happen that you cannot prevent. I don't think I could have said it better myself. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's 
I know better and I, I have a perfect life in this perfect bubble and I could never go there or I'm afraid to go there. So therefore you did something wrong because that just can't happen to normal people. <laughs> oh, and that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It's does. It's crazy. People in the group I was in, there was people, they get crazy over nothing and they're like posting people's addresses and phone numbers and, and full on just detective work to find out about these strangers on the internet because they said something they didn't like whatever it may have been they'll call cps it's crazy yeah that is i and and that's the thing it's like people come to these groups for help and you would expect that it'd be a no judgment zone but <laughs> well we know better bored you know you can only hear like is my discharge supposed to look like this enough before you're like, okay, I'm done. I can't mm -hmm. deal yeah. with you, this anymore. And instead of just being a normal person and ignoring it, they just lose their minds because they're, I don't know. It's not even because they're pregnant because it happens in Facebook groups too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even ones that are like, you don't think there's going to be drama in a podcast group, but it happens. Thank you for sharing, Hannah. This next interview is the one that got ruined and we had to redo. I actually took pieces from the first interview and made a short montage out of them to give you an idea of what we talked about and how that went because she was in the middle of this torment. She was actively experiencing the anxiety, the panic, and I think you can hear it in her voice as compared to when we re-interviewed and how she sounds now. This period in your life after you have a baby is supposed to be just really happy and exciting. Mm -hmm. It's hard to not really feel judged when you're not feeling that way. It is the most common side effect of pregnancy. I called local free clinics and lied to get more ultrasounds. And then I bought this home fetal Doppler so I could check their heartbeats daily as well. If something was wrong, even for a second on the, on like my machine, which can be pretty fickle and you kind of need to be like more of a professional to use it appropriately. But even if like I couldn't hear it for, for like two minutes, I was like, they're definitely, definitely died. He sleeps in a different room than I do, and I sleep with the boys just because of like lack of sleep and the sleep apnea. And then also, part of like just the postpartum depression and anxiety is I have a lot of nightmares pretty intense nightmares. I just don't really sleep well at all. I will like they'll be laying right next to me, and I don't hear them. Like, yeah, I like do not hear them screaming and crying. You know, they're not going to know that I'm their mom and we're not bonding, and I feel bad about that. And I actually was wanted to talk about the nightmares just because they've come on pretty suddenly. But yeah, so David will actually wake up and he'll like bang against the wall and he'll come in and he'll, he'll turn the lights on. And, you know, I know that has to be annoying for him because he has to be up and go to work the next morning. They cry a lot more, which sets me on edge. Which I mean, yeah, babies crying is annoying. When they cry for me, I, I want to say this in not such a... Um, terrible way but I really just want to like throw them because I don't know what to do like I don't know how to fix this I can't fix it and so I just get so like anxious and I just can't handle it which sounds really terrible I know Justin I can't function today 
like maybe last night, I, I mean, it wasn't like a suicide letter. He had went to bed, my husband, and I texted him. I was like, tell Zara and the boys that I love them. Tell them that I, I just couldn't be their mother, not because they're bad, but because I just am a failure as a person. You know, I love you too, and don't think it's anything you've done. I just was really ready to like slit some wrists, which I say in kind of a joking way. I have to say it that way because otherwise I'll cry. Mm. And my husband obviously came in right away and he's like, what? So yeah, the thought that like the suicidal ideations right now are pretty strong. You know, I don't want to just want to not be suicidal. Yeah. Like I want to be able to show my daughter that you can, you can be successful. And right now I don't feel successful at all. Yeah, and they so, were, they they were saying, oh well, you're you're not suicidal, so yeah. uh, the medicine's working. But hello. All right, and thank you for reaching out and redoing this. Should I just like start again? Yeah, like I did last time. Yeah, let's just um, do it okay, over so... because because I I think the other interview is <laughs> a, a fail on me on my end. Sorry. <laughs> Postpartum depression is the topic. And I think it's really important to get stuff out there about it because I think it's really, I guess, publicly underrepresented. I mean, moms don't talk about it. I didn't go into the postpartum period really knowing anything about it. I was just really woefully unprepared. I didn't know anybody who had it. And if I did know people who had it, I didn't know that they had it. And I knew that I was at risk for it because I, I just had general depression anyway. I still just, I had no idea what to be prepared for. But then again, even if I did have an idea, like kind of specific to each person, I was also very unprepared for the fact that postpartum depression is the most talked about postpartum mood disorder there is, but I wasn't prepared for the fact that there's also five others that I didn't even know existed. And I had two of them. And this is with my daughter. So, you know, the first, the first four weeks were really, really great with her. Mm-hmm. And then it just like, it just got to be really bad. And I got, I mean, so the depression part for me was definitely like, I definitely was depressed. I got suicidal. I got to the point of being like, I was ready, honestly, to just suffocate her because she would be better. She would be better dead. I would be better dead. Everybody would just be better if we were dead, right? And so that's the depression part. The anxiety part was just worrying all the time. Like, and I mean, yeah, there's worry and there's anxiety and there's obviously a difference. I definitely have anxiety and I still have anxiety. Like for this, and it kind of like mixes in with, for me, the anxiety mixes in with the obsessive compulsive disorder that can come with postpartum periods where I would just obsessively think we're going to get to an accident She's going to die in her sleep. She's going to die because I'm going to drop her. She's going to die because I'm going to hit her head on something. Like, and these thoughts just played over and over and over, like 24 Mm seven. Right. And it's just really, really terrible. Like as a new mom and you don't have anybody you can talk to because you don't, you don't know anybody that goes through this. You're just the biggest failure because you can't handle a newborn. And like, like you're supposed to be like, so in love with your baby. But it's it's like a cognitive dissonance because you are, but then you you hate them. And not for me. Like, I just hated her because the breastfeeding thing for me. Like, I was starting to hate her because it wasn't working out. And I was hating myself because it wasn't working out. And I was just like, what am I doing wrong right now that I'm not, like, this happy mom like I should be? 
as a mom, you're supposed to be happy. And if you're not happy, then there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But I found this out too afterwards. Like postpartum depression is the most common side effect of pregnancy. And like you would, like, I don't even know if you would think about that. I didn't think about it. Yeah. I mean, if, if when you're pregnant, what should you expect while you're pregnant or after you give birth? And if nine out of 10 women suffer from X, Y, or Z, then it should be a main mm-hmm. topic, you know? About six weeks in, that's when I realized okay, I need to get help because it's okay for me to want to kill myself, but it's not okay for me to want to kill my baby. So I went and I got therapy and I got put on Zoloft and it really, really helped. I didn't want to kill her anymore, Mm -hmm. which was the main benefit. And the reason I I reached out again, like I said in the email, is is because I'm not on Zoloft anymore and it's kind of recent. And I would never say don't get on medicine if that's what you need to do, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I think there's definitely a place for it. Well, I think you were at a point. I hate my child. I I feel depressed. If you're having yeah. homicidal or suicidal thoughts, well, then you're yeah. You need to make a change. You need to do something. You know. Yeah. And that's and you know and that's what I did and that's what I needed. You know, it helps me not want to kill anybody, <laughs> but it kind of just yeah, I don't want to kill her, but like that's it. That's all it really helped with. And I wanted to be like the person I was before, where. I was enjoying things, you know, and so I still wasn't enjoying things. I got off Zoloft, not in the best way because I didn't really go to the doctor for it. And I don't, I don't suggest this at all. Mm -hmm. I got off Zoloft because I, one of my friends had to be admitted to the hospital again. I just like didn't pack it on accident because I just wasn't like thinking, oh, I need to pack this. I was just like rushing to the hospital. And then I just didn't ask anybody to bring it for me. So I just stopped taking it. Cold turkey is the worst way to do it. It is the worst way. And I definitely had withdrawal symptoms and they yeah. sucked. But it wasn't like, a oh, I just don't like how I'm feeling. I'm going to get off of it. It was more of a, oh, I'll just start taking it when I get back home. And that was my original plan. And then I just kind of didn't start taking it again. And you know what? In your defense and in a lot of other people's defense, sometimes they just have to stop doing something. And as much as I don't yeah. recommend cold turkey as any yeah, sort of... Yeah, I don't recommend it. Yeah. But sometimes some people just have to quit something and that's how it worked for you and you made it work. So I applaud you for that. <laughs> I know last time in the interview I said that like they were just giving me higher doses and I'm like, but this isn't working anymore. Like I, like this is not working. I don't need a higher dose. I need something different, Mm -hmm. which kind of played into my decision to just stop taking it because I don't want to be on 200 milligrams a day of Zoloft. How much higher can I get when I have doctors looking at me in shock because I'm on 150 milligrams. I don't want to be on a higher dose, you know? So I just kind of stopped taking it. And I went through some withdrawal like three weeks of like, you know, that feeling like when you're sleeping, but you're awake and like you're tingly and numb. It was just like three weeks of that all the time. That really sucked. And I kind of would like just randomly fall asleep. I knew it was getting better. I knew I was getting better because I just like, I wanted to do things with my kids. I wanted to go out. I didn't dread going out. And I was kind of surprised because I was ready when I stopped taking, I was ready to feel like, I'm going to want to to kill myself again. And I haven't had any suicidal ideation since I've been off of it, mm-hmm. which is such an odd thing because on it, it was a daily occurrence. I don't know how to like reconcile that for something that's supposed to help me not be that way. 
some of these medications, they just don't gel with, with certain people and you have to, mm-hmm. it's trial and error a lot of the times to find the right thing. Zoloft wasn't working for you and, or maybe yeah. it did at the very beginning, but then it stopped working and you just, you have to keep trying. And that's what's so discouraging is you think, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm finally reaching out for help. I'm finally getting on meds or getting therapy, and, but it's not a silver bullet. And I think I just kind of like reconciled myself to that. This is all I can do. It's helping. So why not just keep going on it? You know, mm-hmm. like it helped at the beginning. Let's just keep going, I guess. And yeah, I haven't had any homicidal ideations either. And again, that's just kind of hard to reconcile. Like this thing that helped me so much at the beginning, I just don't feel like I need it now. Here's the thing is I feel like I do need something because the anxiety can get bad. We actually have someone now come to the house to help with the kids for like an hour every week. And she's like a, she's a positive parenting person. She gave me a quiz and she's like, well, you're pretty anxious, but you don't show like a bunch of signs of depression. So I'm like, that's good. So I haven't had any suicidal or homicidal. And then I know last time too, I talked about how I would have nightmares like every night and I haven't had any nightmares since I've been off of it either. So that's kind of a plus. And it's really nice to not wake up afraid that like your child has been attacked by rats and mice and dying also. Yeah. It's these illogical Um, thoughts that you're always worried for your child. I mean, and I don't even think my husband knows that I'm off of medicine. mm -hmm. I don't think anybody who's like kind of in my circle knows that I'm off. So surprise, but I don't know if they, they would be able to tell because, like, my husband hasn't asked me. Yeah. My, you know, my sister-in-law, who's my other, like, big person in my corner, she hasn't asked me if I've been taking it. I guess that's a good thing. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing these things, like, that I didn't think I would do before. I'm, like, opening up my, like, very own, like, clothing boutique um, where, like, I buy wholesale and then, like, hopefully that'll be successful. Yeah. I've been a part of, a like, an MLM tech company for a year you know, I don't want to do that anymore. And so me and David are kind of working on getting our own stuff in. And I, I never thought that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. The first time we talk, yeah, you, you are a completely different person. Really. I can tell. Yeah. (laughs) You can hear the shudder in your voice. Does that make sense? I mean, it was, you, you were literally in a mild panic attack the entire time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Did you go out to uh, online support forms and see how mothers who talk about postpartum are treated? I don't actively search it. When mm-hmm. I see it, I read about it. Okay. And I know that it's really bad. I know before our last interview, I actually read um, an interview of a mom, not an interview, but like she blog posted about it where she asked her doctor for help and they arrested her. Like they had police come and arrest her because she they thought that she was a danger to her child and like she wasn't, she was just asking for like medicine. When you say I need help and they go, why do you need Mm -hmm. help? And you say, I'm having homicidal or suicidal thoughts. Well now it's, they take it to another level. So it's almost like you have to lie your way into therapy (laughs) of Mm -hmm. I'm feeling depressed, not feeling good, but you can't tell them the the raw details of your thoughts because it could, could be used against you there's actually a documentary on netflix called when the bow breaks Mm -hmm. and one of the moms in there said like if you knew what i was thinking you would like have me arrested and you like you can't tell people because 
you don't want your children taken away and you don't want to go to, and you don't want to end up in like a mental institution. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm sorry, but you know, you don't want that to happen. So you, you have to like keep it in. And that Um, sucks because I get it. If you talk about harming yourself or others, it is a dangerous situation, but these thoughts seem to be pretty prevalent among people that have postpartum. It should be in context, I guess. Yeah. Like, I feel like you should be able to talk to your doctor about it, but I also know, like, if you haven't ever, like, experienced it, and I know obviously a lot of doctors are men, it's going to be scary, you know, like, for them to hear that, even if it doesn't need to be scary. Yeah. I just feel bad for a lot of mothers who are going through it and then reach out for help and are shamed or told that they're a bad mother. I mean, oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely shamed for it. it. There's so much shaming going on. It just needs to stop because, I mean, I don't know, would you shame someone with general depression? Yeah. Would you shame someone with cancer? Like, and I'm, a, I'm such a big proponent of this. Just because it's mental doesn't mean it's your fault, I guess. And there's no reason to shame people about it. Yeah. I was told that I just need to get on medicine and do what's best for my kid. And I'm like, well, that doesn't help me at all. You know, get over it. And I'm like, you, you can't get over this. Like, if you have a chemical imbalance, it's not like I can go in my brain and fix that. As much as I would like to. The way, I guess I I try to explain it in such a layman term way to people that just don't get it. I I say, well, you know, there's an optical illusion where you look at a face and it looks like the eyes are following you. And they're like, yeah, make that stop. (laughs) Make that stop. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, well, it's an optical illusion. I can't tell my brain not to do it. And that's exactly what Mm -hmm. mental health and mental illness is. You can't tell your brain to stop. You have to seek yeah, outside it help. It would be nice. Yeah. I don't know if it's um, a good contrast but or comparison, but I try, you know. <laughs> like, and I've definitely read shaming stories. I actually read one. I wish I could remember exactly what it said. And I sent it to my friend. And I'm like, this is why people don't, get, don't seek help, because this is what's going to happen. It's really a shame that moms don't seek help. I know the documentary I watched, they interviewed about six or seven moms. And at the end of it, in like the, the credits, they were like two of these moms committed suicide after this. Oh, so even like, even then, like you just, you know, you have no idea unless you're in there. I mean, and husbands can be really supportive. And David, David, after Zara, yeah. David wasn't the best with Zara because he didn't know what, what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with the boys, he really understood and he was really, really supportive of like, you know, I understand that this is happening. What do you need me to do? So I think, honestly, like one of the most important things is to have a husband that, because even husbands, like I've heard of husbands being like shaming. It's a hard thing to grasp. And even for the husband who's right there in the thick of it, because they have a connection to the child too. So they're protective and, and want to do the best. But it's not something that just comes naturally to understand that somebody's having Mm -hmm. a homicidal thought or somebody is somehow Mm -hmm. completely disconnected from their child where they don't want to hold their child. They don't want anything to do with their child. And it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not an active decision. (laughs) Even with the boys, I didn't want to be around them. And so that was how my depression kind of manifested with them was I didn't want to be around them. I didn't ever want to like, I didn't ever want to kill them. I didn't never necessarily want to kill myself because of failing them, but I just didn't want to be around them. I kind of am now believing that like they know that I'm their mom. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before I was very much their children in my house, but are they really mine? Like did the hospital mix them up? And I'm like, I know they didn't because I'm pretty sure they were the only twins born that day. Yeah. 
but now I'm like, yeah, like I, I know that they're mine and they're so, so cute and they're so, so happy. So like, and they know that I'm their mom. Like I accept that now, like I'm their mom and they know that. Um, Whereas before it was very much just a huge disconnect of kind of love and nurturing them. And I did nurture them, obviously they're happy boys, but now it's very much like I'm stepping into the actual mom role rather than like a babysitter role, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and it's because of your emotional mindset, you're finally mm-hmm. getting that connection. It was delayed, but you have it now. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, I'm glad you were able to overcome that hump and, and now feel mm-hmm. a connection. You know, I've, I think on Monday was the first day that I realized then I actually, like, I told myself this and believed it, like, that I'm a good mom and I'm a strong mom. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that before, like, how strong you have to be as a mom. Yeah. Until on Monday, my son had his second surgery. Post-op, I went back and I saw him and, like, I just wanted to cry. I just felt like I stayed really strong and I held him and I sang to him. And, like, he calmed down. And rather than me going into the corner and crying, what I wanted to do... I was just kind of there, like emotionally and physically, I was just there for him. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's just, I'm just like this different person now. And I'm coming to terms with this different person than I was for the past two years. Even now, like I'll just sit and I'll think about it. What have I done that in the past two years? Whereas now I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I don't know if I talked about it last time, but I was very much like, cleaning, just cleaning, cleaning, cleaning all the time because I thought if I just clean, everything will be better. And I, I mean, not that my house is dirty or anything, but like, I'm okay with the mess Mm -hmm. because like I'm spending time with my kids rather than just cleaning. And, you know, I'm working, I'm trying to open a flash work at business and I'm okay with the mess because I'm doing that rather than just like having to clean and having to make sure every crumb is picked up. And I think that was part of my anxiety is like, if I don't clean, then everything is going to just break. Not having that um, kind of over my shoulder is also just a huge relief. I mean, I still clean it, obviously. I don't like leave my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gross, but because my daughter chose to make a mess after I cleaned up, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's just a whole different kind of mindset now that I have to like come to terms with. Um, and I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I feel like maybe I should be on something just like kind of a low dose because I do still get very anxious daily. You know, I have anxiety about the boys' health and I have anxiety like when they cry and stuff. But I mean, I would not go back to to where I was. I mean, there's um, tons of mood stabilizing prescriptions out there. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Wellbutrin, Lamictal, just other things besides Zoloft. But if you're focused on stuff and you're able to keep yourself from going down that dark path, then, mm-hmm. you know, keep keep going with what's working. Don't fix it if it's not broke, but if you do yeah. get to that dark place again, you know, you know where mm-hmm. to go. You know yeah, and do. I, yeah, I know that's out there. One more thing that I did a lot, I would definitely take a nap every single day. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to sleep all the time. I mean, I'll nap if I've, you know, been to the hospital for a week. Like, my, my son was just in the hospital for a week, and I come home and I'll nap because you don't get good sleep in hospitals. Yeah. If the kids have had a particularly bad night, I'll try to take a nap during that day when they're napping. But I don't get frustrated daily because I can't sleep because like my, you know, because I have kids to take care of. I'm definitely napping slash sleeping a lot less. And that's really nice. 
Well, that's normal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's normal, right? <laughs> you not adults don't just sleep in nap five hours a day. Which not again, I didn't do that when I you know, I only napped when the kids were napping on it, but I don't need to do that now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's there's so many like better things now for me. I'm like more kind of hopeful and more I don't want to say the word ambitious, but like just proactive, I guess. I mean, obviously there are medicine will work and make people that way. And Zoloft may, may make people that way. So like, if you need that, just take it. Like if you need it, take it. I just don't think it was that way for me. Um, And I'm so glad that I didn't pack it that, that hospital stay because this is me now. And it's kind of um, exciting, I guess. Well, and sometimes medication or therapy can just be what gets you through that rough spot. And it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be this way forever. It's just, I, mm-hmm. need, I need help now. And then sometimes, like it sounds like in your case, here's the help that I'm getting. It's not quite perfect, but it is helping a little bit. So I need to find, mm-hmm. I need to find a way to do it myself. And you did. Yeah. Do you have more questions? My questions were more more revolving around uh, if you had gone out to support groups and if you had received shame. I had received shame, and I know other moms that do. I'm actually part of um of a support group for depression, um, like a local one, and they you know they're great. They have monthly meetings. I haven't actually made it to one yet because the last one was on when I was still on the last. I'm going to go to the next one. I had always planned to go, and I'll you know I'm going to I'm a part of like a local C-section support group and I I've gone to like their meeting once now mm-hmm. um, whereas before I was just like no I'm not going to go to that oh, I, shame is just something that I it's one of my pet peeves I hate it when I see people shaming others and mm-hmm. it, it's almost to the point where I don't even care what the original offense was <laughs> I, I just don't like seeing <laughs> the the shame because yeah. I think you know when you pile on somebody whether it be publicly shaming or directly shaming uh, I, I just think, what kind of justice are you seeking here? That's actually very, very funny because before, before I was very like, like I let myself be more shamed than I probably needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I let myself just get way more upset at things than I probably needed to be. Like I would have to like defend myself and do all these things. And like now I just kind of, just kind of, I just let it go because you know what? Like you're not going to change their mind. You're not going to do anything except just get yourself more mad if you try to like defend yourself. Yeah. Because they have their mind made up. Nothing is going to change their mind unless they go through it. You know, like if they go through a C-section, then they'll realize that it sucks. I don't want to use the word fail, but if they just don't have a successful breastfeeding relationship, then they'll realize that formula isn't poison. And those are the two huge things that I just, I would cry about the breastfeeding thing still is triggering for me. Like when I see someone breastfeeding or like, you know, doing things that I wanted to do with my, with my kids still at two years old, it's really hard for me, but it's, it's easier now accepting that we made the right choice. And my daughter is very intelligent. There's not one person that I've met that says that she's not intelligent. You know, formula was great and not breastfeeding her didn't make her any less intelligent which is what I want for her, obviously, you know, mm-hmm. before I would seek it out, I would seek out people who were like formulas poison. And now I don't, cause I just don't need to focus on, I don't know the right word to use, but like ignorant people, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, I wish I wish I would have talked to you before I started podcasting and got that advice because <laughs> I <laughs> I let things get to me. I let the negativity get to me all the time, and I really shouldn't. And, yeah, it's it's hard to. I mean, obviously negativity still gets to me. I recently did this person posted in one of my in one of my mom groups. If you're, you know, if your kid is crying, maybe it's because you had a C-section or maybe it's because you're using formula. And I'm like, excuse me, that is, I'm I'm not going to cuss, but like that is bull crap. Your kid is not crying because you had a C-section 12 months ago. Like he's crying because he needs anyway. So I let that get to me. So obviously, you know, you you let negativity get to you. But again, it's just not something that I kind of seek out anymore. If I see it, then I can get defensive, but I really just try to just scroll past and ignore the annoying things. Yeah. I do. You should not let people get to you <laughs> well, because you're super nice. I guess it's not even insults towards me. I'm just very, very protective of all my guests on the peripheral because I think you guys are all oh. very courageous to come on my show and give your most intimate, raw emotion. So when people shame or insult my guests or say that they, you know, are a bad person, I get pissed off and I don't always send Mm -hmm. a very polite email or reply or something back because if you can't empathize with the people on my show, then I think that you're a soulless creature. (laughs) (laughs) For real. Like, honestly, it, it takes that. I don't know. I just like the most important thing for me I, I just want people to realize that moms, we don't like feeling this way. We don't like it. We don't choose it. We don't want it. And so, you know, again, and David will tell you the same thing. When, after I had Zara, he thought I was just being lazy and he thought I was just choosing to be lazy. And he'll tell you that he was a big jerk, like he did on the first interview. If you notice a mom that you feel is just kind of, um, what's the word, like retracting into herself after a baby, just not, you know, just not being like how she usually is. Just ask. It's okay to just ask. And if she says that she's fine, and this is for like, if you're close to the person, like if she says she's fine, just, just wait, you know, a couple of days or we can ask again. I know that would have really helped me maybe sooner than when I got help. I realized pretty quickly when I started having those thoughts, like that's not normal. Just don't be afraid of that. Kind of taking a, taking a a risk and asking, are you really okay? Because sometimes that's just what we need. Um, And if nobody asks, then we just, we'll just not do anything. You know, does that kind of make sense? No, absolutely. It's, this is true for a lot of things. You can ask somebody, how are you doing? And the mm-hmm. the default polite answer is fine. Leave me alone. Yeah. And yeah, you know it's not always the truth. Like I definitely would not know that it's more common than you might think. Obviously, like I said, it's the most common. And also that there's not just depression. There's I know all of them. There's six of them. So there's anxiety, OCD, obviously psychosis, which is the rarest and most severe, bipolar, and I don't think it's called bipolar anymore. Manic, manic depression. Oh, and then there's one more. But just be aware that it's, there's more than just depression. Mm-hmm. Well, in the psychosis one, I mean, that's when you hear about mothers 
like drowning their children or putting them in the car and yeah. drive, driving off a cliff or something. That's the extreme. Yeah, that's like, that's Andrea. Can I say her name? Andrea Yates. Like, that was Andrea Yates. Those moms especially can be, like, shamed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's hard to not kind of go go that way. But, actually, one of the moms in When the Bell Breaks, and I definitely suggest watching this, watching that documentary. It was so good. One of those moms, actually, she drowned her baby. But you also have to realize, um, oh, PTSD, that's another one. That's the sixth one. Like, even for me, like, it's very easy to be like, how could you do that to your child when... I was lucky in that I realized that this is not normal, but those moms who do that, they don't realize that those thoughts aren't normal. You know, I mean, that makes sense. The psychosis and also important to note about psychosis is, and this really made me scared because when I started thinking about that, I'm like, do I have psychosis? But psychosis will present itself in the first three days, like three to five days. Mm-hmm. So if you see like a mom who's immediately post-birth and you're like, this is very like, this is very odd and I, like something is wrong not saying that they're going to have psychosis, but because it is the rarest, it's like 1% or something, that particular one will manifest within the first, like, like within the first week. So it was good for me to know that, like, because it wasn't until, like, six weeks after that I was having those thoughts. It was good for me, like, okay, I don't have that. Imagine if one of those mothers, you know, would have reached out, but they were afraid of being Mm -hmm. shamed or told that they were a bad mother, so they didn't. And there was a mom... Um, within the past year in California who did reach out and the doctors didn't do anything and she killed herself and her child. And so there has to be something different in postpartum healthcare. And I will say that America is the worst. America is just the worst with pregnancy and birth and postpartum. Like she reached out to her doctors several times and they didn't help her. She ended up killing herself and her child by I think driving into the ocean or something like driving into some water. Mm -hmm. And her husband is now he like speaks out about it, like, just please get help. And like, we have to do something to help moms who are going through this junk because like nobody deserves that. I'm going to like start crying. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It just really sucks. Nobody deserves that, you know? I'm sorry, Justin. Don't don't apologize. I didn't know I was going to cry. It's a rough topic. I just feel like that's what I felt. And I was lucky to know that I should feel that way. And I was lucky to have people that helped me get help. Yeah. And for you to not feel that way just has to be so terrible. I really didn't know I was going to cry. This is one of the most rough topics we can talk about. I, it's not, don't, don't worry. It's, that's another thing like it's really okay to get help you know it doesn't make you any less strong it doesn't make you any less of a great mom like you have to just tell yourself like this is me being a great mom and this is me being a strong mom to know that it's okay it's okay it is You're all right. Okay. Sorry. Again. <laughs> you're, all, you're all right. Okay. You're fine. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to cry, but when it happens, it it's uh, it comes on strong. <laughs> and uh, there's not much I can do about it either. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, I just got kind of it. I just want people to know, like, don't be, don't be jerks. <laughs> and don't be scared to ask for help. Don't be jerks. And <laughs> really, like, don't be a jerk. Yeah. Um, so no, I that's think, kind of it, I guess. I think that's great. And I think it's perfect. 